This is the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks on KQV with expert advice from CPA attorney and retirement and estate planning expert, Jim Lang, the best-selling author of Retire Secure and the Roth Revolution, Pay Taxes Once and Never Again. Now on the air and online worldwide at retiresecure.com, get ready to talk smart money. Hello and welcome to the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. I'm your host, Hannah Hayton Kay, and of course I'm here with Jim Lang, CPA, attorney, and best-selling author of the first and second edition of Retire Secure and The Roth Revolution, Pay Taxes Once and Never Again. Jim's guest tonight is Paul Merriman. He is nationally recognized as an authority on mutual funds, index investing, asset allocation, and both buy-and-hold and active management strategies. Paul is the author of four books on personal investing, including his newest book, Financial Fitness Forever. He has also hosted a weekly radio program and has been a featured guest on local, regional, and national television shows. Paul has written many articles for FundAdvice.com, a service of Merriman Incorporated, identified by Forbes as one of the best online resources for investors. On tonight's show, you will learn all about the four keys to successful investing, how markets work, how mutual funds work, how our emotions sabotage us, and how to build a plan that incorporates it all. Paul will share with you how to know if your advisor has your best interest at heart. In addition, Paul will compare and contrast two popular indexed investing strategies. With all of Paul's experience in TV and radio, he is sure to be an entertaining guest. But before I turn it over to Jim, I want to remind our listeners that the show is live, so please feel free to call in with your questions for Paul. The number is 412-333-9385. Again, that is 412-333-9385. Good evening, Jim, and welcome to the show, Paul. Um, It's great to be here. Thank you very much. Well, we're happy to have you. Uh, Before we we go into speaking about all that you have to say, I wanted to um, let our listeners know that we sadly let them know that Jim's mother passed away on March 30th, and um, Barnetta was an amazing woman, and there is a website that Jim put up that's dedicated to her that I would encourage all the listeners to visit. It's an inspiring website, beautiful pictures of of this remarkable woman. Uh, The website address is www.barnettalang.com, and that's B-A-R-N-E-T-T-A-L-A-N-G-E.com. Um, Barnetta suffered a stroke on March 18th, and she spent her last days at Forbes um, Hospice, which Jim's going to talk a little bit about. But uh, I just wanted to highlight some of the things about Barnetta's life. She was an accomplished pianist, and she lived independently at the age of 95. Um, She was still playing piano for an hour a day. She did that for over 85 years, and she... She, as a, recently as six months ago, she performed for, for about 100 people at a retirement community. Uh, yeah. Jim's going to really miss their standing date to go to the symphony. Um, she was his, his date to go there, and that's going to be quite a loss for him. Uh, another remarkable thing about Renetta is she ha- had her Ph.D. from the University of Pittsburgh uh, in Foundations of Education, and she taught journalism at Point Park. She had a B. She received her B.A. in music education from Carnegie Tech in 1938. 
So it's just remarkable for her to have accomplished these things as a woman in those days. Um, And her family history of of, um, philanthropy, they, uh, her if you look back at her history, you'll see that they had a lot to do with the founding of Montefiore Hospital. And so it's just a really remarkable story. I encourage you to go to www.barnettalang.com just to read more about her. Um, she was also a staff writer for the Jewish Chronicle for many years. So, Jim, I know that uh, Forbes Hospice was really a comfort to you, and you were fortunate enough to be with, with your mother spend the night before she died with her and be with her as she passed. Do you want to talk a little bit about Forbes? Well, d- well, just for a minute, I, I usually don't have any uh, commercials except for, for my own workshops on this show. Um, but I will say that Forbes Hospice is an unbelievable place. And if you have a relative who is terminally ill, they have a program both where if the person can remain at home they send nurses out, and they are experts in making people comfortable. Uh, my dad died uh, 30 years ago. He, was, he had Forbes Hospice at home. They did a remarkable job. And the final days when we could not control the pain at home, we had him actually at their inpatient facility, and they did a, a great job. The same thing with my mom. I genuinely believe those nurses and the people that work there are, are the angels on earth. I think they are just remarkably dedicated women um, and men who uh, who sp- spend a lot of their waking hours helping uh, people who are dying uh, die in a dignified, uh, comfortable way. Now, so- sorry to throw you off your game, Paul, because I do want to get back to... Uh, the I'm sorry for you, well, Jim, th- and it uh, sounds like you could write a book about your mother and what, uh, what, a, what a wonderful relationship that must have been. Well, it was, and she, she was a she was a writer. She taught journalism, and uh, she did edit my books. And there wasn't too many pages that escaped the red pen. <laughs> <laughs> she she was pretty tough. Oh, oh, I like that. I like that. All right, but speaking of books, and speaking of fine books, I mean wonderful books. Um, I think that Hannah mentioned briefly that Paul is the author of Financial Fitness Forever. Now, Paul's written a number of books, and I have actually had Paul on the show before. We have talked about his his other books. And nothing against your other books, Paul, but <laughs> Financial Fitness Forever, I just thought was outstanding. And well, thank pre- you. And, uh, you know, I read it before. I actually read it when it was just a manuscript, before it was a book. Yes. And I did give you a testimonial, which is actually which which is which is in the book, which is well-deserved. But then in, going, in preparing for tonight's show, I went through it again, and I just think it's so outstanding. One of the things that you do, a lot of times people give some general concepts, which you do, but then you also give this amazing specific information. So, for example, you have, I, I believe, recommended asset allocations for the top 50 companies. So if you work for any of these top 50 companies... You can go to your book and, and instead of you know trying to dissect this long discussion about asset allocation, you go boom. If you work for whatever it might be, what, what work for Walmart, uh, here are your choices. Here's the ones I recommend for conservative, for moderate, and more aggressive. And uh, I just think the book is full of wisdom. And congratulations again. That's thank, thank you, thank right. you, Jim. And and uh, I, I cannot I cannot overlook 
the government thrift savings plan because there are a lot of people that that are putting their money there. It's interesting how that book developed, Jim, because PBS came to me. They asked me to do a, a special Pledge Week uh, show, and uh, it meant a new book. And they didn't want my typical book that was not that. I love specifics. I love numbers. So the first part of the book was was pretty much a narrative. I mean, it was supposed to explain investing, but for the beginner. But I just couldn't stop there, and I begged them to let me create an appendix that may be the largest appendix in history <laughs> and and to and to get into the numbers like you say and the recommendations at vanguard fidelity t row price etfs give people the specifics so they actually know exactly what they need to do yeah and and, and by the way that's that's another thing you know on our show we ha- we do have do it yourself audiences and you do talk about, and we'll get into into it more specifically, but I do believe that you that you said that you think that the best mutual funds for do-it-yourselfers are Vanguard, and then you go ahead and you tell people, you know, again, conservative, moderate, and aggressive uh, portfolios for Vanguard investors. So it could be a real no-brainer for somebody. They can just buy your book, look at the percentages for Vanguard, go to Vanguard and have a probably a pretty reasonable uh, diversified uh, portfolio using high-quality, low-cost index funds. Well, as a matter of fact, Jim, I suspect that over the last decade that those Vanguard strategies, exactly what I suggested people do, and, and Holbert uh, tracks our, our newsletter recommendations and the, and the access to those recommendations, it's free, and what do we find is that we probably outproduced with that that simple vanguard strategy whether it's forty percent equity or sixty percent equity or a hundred percent equity outperform ninety nine percent of investors so it's further proof and i know you agree with this that you don't have to be a genius to look like one when you invest properly well that 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 that's a that's a heck of a statistic that uh, your allocation is beating ninety nine percent of the investors. I wouldn't. I would. Now wait a minute. Now you sounded a little bit like, well, how does he know that? I'll tell you how I know that. I follow the returns of almost all of the newsletters in America, and of course, mutual funds are very easy to follow through Morningstar, and it is amazing to me how poorly most mutual funds did over the last decade. I'll tell you, Paul, you're also brave. You have, I, I'm not as brave as you, so I'm not going to talk about some of the losers that you mentioned in your book. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised Thank those guys you. haven't sued you. But uh, um, all right. So anyway, um, Paul, I have, you, you have some, some really good thoughts in the book. And what I'd like to do, and the other thing I did promise in the email that I sent out to people, that we were going to cover at least four things, and there's more things that I want to cover. So if we could, if we could switch over to, I think, one of the core issues, which is how does, how do markets work, Paul? I mean, well, and and, and uh, why has this Vanguard strategy beat, most of the active investors? Well, first of all, 
uh, it's, it's this simple. I did not street for any of the basis of the recommendations that I made. Not one idea came from Wall Street. So, as you know, Jim, from they're they're stricken from my thought process <laughs> when it comes to helping others. You are no friend I, of Wall Street, and Wall Street is no friend of yours. <laughs> I think that's probably fair. I've gotten lots of emails from uh, brokers who think I'm very unkind. I just think I'm being honest, and I've been around this business for about 45 years, so you, you, you do learn something along the way. But I also didn't depend on Main Street. Main Street would be your next-door neighbor, your, your, your cousin, your uncle, somebody, or somebody at the office who just sounds like they know so much about investing. I don't depend on those people to give advice to others, but I will tell you who I do depend on, and I mean 100% depend on, and that is the work that's been done by the academic community, what I call University Street, and the reason that I have such confidence in what they teach us is that there are studies and numbers, and, 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 and they've looked at investing inside out, without an eye on how could I make a buck off the next investor. That's the basis of those portfolios. And it is what they've taught me. Some of it's pretty sophisticated and complex when you look at the formulas. But if you get underneath those formulas, what is it they really want us to do? That's the source of my information. That's what I trust. That's where my own money is. And I think from what I know about your attitudes about investing, I think that's where your money is too, Jim. Well, as, as a matter of fact, our office has recently switched our own investments to dimensional funds. I know you have been a dimensional funds fan for years, and, and certainly we'll touch on dimensional funds, but I also want to talk about the concepts for the do-it-yourselfer. Yeah. But, um, yeah, as uh, you know, and plus as I am reading more, and, um, frankly, becoming much more enthusiastic than I ever was in the past. Although in the past, I always just had this kind of general feeling that low-cost index investing was a great way to go. And now when I'm starting to see some of the statistics, um, I'm not sure I quite came up with 99% like you did, but I came up with that index investing is a really good way to go. And I think that listening to University Street... Uh, is going to be a lot more productive and profitable for people than listening to Wall Street. And, and I, I absolutely agree with that. And, Jim, uh, if you look where John Bogle got us, and, and, and I really think that he is one of my heroes, and, and, and starting the Vanguard funds and starting the first retail index fund, he got us about halfway there by by giving us mutual funds that have very low expenses, broadly diversified, low turnover, so they're very tax efficient, and again, that makes them inexpensive. And he started a number of those index funds so that we buy our money. But I, I've been on my show many times over the years, and it was hard to get him to really move over to what the academics were teaching. Boy, what a difference that made. And he's even come around in the last few years uh, to 
looking at it more like the academics. And what I'm talking about is not just the importance of indexing, but what asset classes, because now we're getting into how investing really works. Yeah, everybody knows that stocks are more risky, but they make more money. But which kinds of stocks, which ones can you depend on making you more money over time? And how can you put them together so that even though you achieve higher rates of return, you take less risk? I mean, that's the ultimate reward for an investor, is to get higher rates of return and take less risk. That is what the academics kind of, that was the step beyond John Bogle that I think has just made a huge difference in how individual investors can now expect, really expect to make better rates of return in the future than they have in the past because they're finding out this information that is truly life-changing. Okay, Paul, um, we're going to have to take a quick break. Uh, When we come back, we will continue this conversation. I want to remind our listeners out there that we are live tonight, so if you have any questions, you can give us a call at 412-333-9385. We'll be right back with Paul Merriman and Jim Lang on the Lang Money Hour. The Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks, featuring the expert advice of Pittsburgh-based CPA attorney Jim Lang. More coming up on KQV AM 1410. The Lang Money Hour continues on KQV AM 1410. For all of your financial needs, turn to Lang Financial Group in Squirrel Hill, 412-521-2732. Let's talk more smart money. Welcome back to the Lang Money Hour. This is Hannah Haytanen Kay, and I'm here with Jim Lang and Paul Merriman. Uh, thanks again, Paul. B- by the way, I should mention to the listeners that I have been a Paul Merriman fan for years, and I actually at one point approached Paul and said, hey, Paul, you know, maybe we should work together where you do the investments through dimensional funds and I provide strategic advice like Roth IRA conversions and estate planning and, the, and some of the things that I do. And it, it didn't work out for a number of reasons, one which was that Paul was based, or I think still is, in Seattle. We're based here. But the let's say the uh, update on that is I entered into a similar arrangement with P.J. Denuso. So P.J. Denuso actually does the investments through DFA, which is, which is one of the things that we're going to be talking about tonight. And then I do, again, the strategic part, and then together we charge one what I think is pretty low fee, which is 1% on the first 500000 and then less as additional amounts are invested. Um, well, and, and, and Jim, I just got to tell your listeners, I have ne- I've never been to your live uh, workshop. I have seen a, uh, a video of your workshop, and I just, I think you do a phenomenal job of educating people and not just looking for clients like a lot of people are doing, but really helping people as they leave there know about changes they should be making in their life. And I am still sad that we did not, in fact, uh, put that that working relationship together. But you're right. I mean, it was just a living a long way apart, and now... I'm in Mexico right now. I'm, your listeners may not want to hear that. But oh, I'm that's retired. Okay. And, and in fact, I'm working on nine books right now, Jim, nine books on investing. And so 
Uh, I've got the best of all worlds. I'm, I'm in the, the warmth of the Mexican sun. There's a band practicing in the background, and I'm talking to listeners who want to learn more about being a more successful investor. That's as good as it gets for me. Well, I'll tell you, Paul, I've been a, I, I was a fan of your radio show where you provided you. great information. And now, now uh, um, you're too young to be the elder statesman. But but I but I kind of think oh, of you. No, in, I kind of think of you as that way. As kind of like the wise man uh, providing wisdom for uh, for the masses. And, and actually, I think that that's what your what your book is about. It's because even yeah. if you have a hundred thousand dollars, you can actually learn a lot from your book. So even if you've got ten thousand dollars, Jim, I uh, that ETF portfolio. Uh, almost anybody can put that together with a, with, with a, even a thousand dollars. So, so uh, yes, I'm I I want to impact as many people as I can before I have to really retire, and all the profits from all the work that I'm doing now, all of them go uh, to uh, charities that are very important to me, nonprofits to help others. So I'm done making money. I'm done helping. I'm, my job now is to help other people make money, and uh, I think that will reward a lot of the people I care about uh, in the charitable uh, arena. But uh, this is great fun. I love being here, having a chance to help others, and let's go to it. Let's figure out what they need to know. Well, well Paul, one of the things that you have in the qualitative, I'm, talk, no, I'm not talking about the numbers side now, but you talk about emotions in investing. And I think that that's a very important topic for our listeners and how our emotional makeup uh, either helps us or hurts us as investors. And I want to ask if you could shed some light for our listeners uh, who might be do-it-yourselfers on investing and emotions and Let's call it the general area of financial behavior. And I know, by the way, that we could dedicate three shows to this topic alone, but I didn't want to miss it alone. Yes, and if they want to read one book on the emotional end of investing, Your Money and Your Brain by Jason Zweig, if that doesn't convince you that most people are a little bit nuts about money, I don't know what will. But I will tell you this. The evidence. Now, you want to talk qualitatively. Let me talk quantitatively for a second and tell you why it's obvious there's a huge problem. The textbooks are filled with a solution how to be a successful investor. People have tried for 100 years to, to preach some of the same information about how to be a successful investor. But there is a firm. In fact, they're back on the East Coast. They may be close to you. I'm not sure called Dalbar that tracks the performance not just of mutual funds and the indexes, but the actual performance that investors got. Because if you invest when the market's high and you sell or don't invest when the market's low, guess what? You're not going to show the same return as the mutual funds or as the indexes. And here are the numbers. These are the numbers tracked kind of one month at a time over 20 years ending 2010, while the S&P 500 compounded at 9.1, the average investor got 3.8. Now, that's equities. The, 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 the index, the bond index, 6.9. The average investor in bonds, 
5%. Now, this difference, this difference even got a little worse in, uh, in, in last year because the, there was a, about a 2.1% gain for the S&P 500, about an 8% lower return for the average equity investor in the U.S., and what's the reason this is happening? Well, it certainly isn't about making money, but it's about losing money. And people generally aren't ready to lose money. They don't like to lose money. They aren't educated about the real risk of investing. And so they panic when markets go down. We, all, we know that in our industry. And believe it or not, Jim, when I became a stockbroker, I was a I admit to people I was a stockbroker for about 2 years back in the in the 60s. What I was told was you better sell a lot of stocks when there's a big bull market because when the market goes down nobody's going to want to buy stocks. Guess what? It's not so different today. They keep getting it wrong because they are emotional about money. They, they, they claim they're buying holders, but they're really market timers using what I call the I can't stand it anymore market timing system. There are so many counterintuitive aspects of investing that make it very difficult for people to emotionally do the right thing. And I'll just give you one, Jim. This is for the young listeners. When the market is going down, and everybody's complaining about how horrible it is. You young people should be celebrating. There is nothing better for a young investor than the market to go down for the de first decade that they're putting market away, money away for their retirement. That's contrary to what they, their parents and their grandparents are telling them. Their parents, grandparents and parents are saying they want the market to go up. No, they want the market to go down. And it's that kind of counterintuitive thinking that makes investing successful, but it's hard for people to do emotionally. Well, as a matter of fact, you mentioned uh, Jason Zweig, who, who wrote that fine book on behavior. But yeah. in, in your book, you also mention another uh, author for the Wall Street Journal, um, since retired from the Wall Street Journal, but he's my favorite Wall Street Journal author if for no other reason that we did about 30 columns together and that's Jonathan Clemens and oh, yeah. <laughs> and you have a great quote quote from Jonathan Clemens that I'd like to take the liberty of reading because sure. it's it's right on point for behavior all right this is Jonathan Clemens speaking not me if you want to see the greatest threat to your financial yeah. future go home and take a look in the mirror yeah yeah, absolutely. And here's the wonderful thing, Jim. The wonderful thing is there is a way to invest. And I know you know this intimately, but there is a way to invest that eliminates over 90% of that emotional burden. And it's very simple. And it is, it comes out of the academic community, it is to be a mechanical investor. Dollar cost averaging is mechanical. Indexing is mechanical. But it can't just be a straight mechanical system all by itself. It has to take into consideration the most important aspect of investing, and that is your risk tolerance. Because people do the wrong thing when the market is down, 
and they do the wrong thing when the market is high as well because they chase bull markets and then they flee from bear markets. And if you have knowledge of your own personal risk tolerance, and, and by the way, Jim, it's rare that people figure this out without an advisor. And it's for this reason I would recommend to every investor I ever met who was coming close to retirement, you spend at least one year with an advisor. If you don't want to have an advisor for the next 50 years, fine. But one year with an advisor can be absolutely a life-changing event and get you on the right path. Because with help, you'll find out about your risk tolerance and make sure you're not overexposed to risk so, so that you find yourself going beyond loss limits and then bailing out. That is so important to keeping people on course. Well, uh, I'm going to be a mechanical host now and say we have to take another quick break. So when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. And we'll be right back with Paul Merriman and Jim Lang on the Lang Money Hour. The Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks, featuring the expert advice of Pittsburgh-based CPA attorney Jim Lang. More coming up on KQVAM 1410. The Lang Money Hour continues on KQV AM 1410. For all of your financial needs, turn to Lang Financial Group in Squirrel Hill, 412-521-2732. Let's talk more smart money. Hello there, and welcome back to the Lang Money Hour. This is Hannah Haytanen Kay, and I'm here with Jim Lang and Paul Merriman. Thanks, Hannah. And uh, we're here with Paul Merriman, and uh, just in case we get caught off near the end... I want to remind everybody what a fine book that Paul has written, and I'm I'm really going to say, uh, this is this is one of the the best books out there on money, and and not only philosophically, but in terms of the mechanics of what to do. It is F- Financial Fitness Forever by Paul Merriman, M E R R I M A N. I'm sure it's at the local bookstores or at Amazon. Financial Fitness Forever. Uh, Paul, one of the things that you said in uh, Financial Fitness Forever, and again, I was kind of surprised at the boldness of your book, but I guess as you said, you're retired. You can say anything you want. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess that does give you a certain uh, credibility. Is that you said that Vanguard was hands down the best index company, and you even mentioned some of the others, which I'm not bold enough to do, that you said clearly were not as good as Vanguard. Um, Is there a reason why Vanguard is better than these other companies? Well, uh, first of all, um, uh, remember I said that for do-it-yourself investors. That's correct. You did. Very important. Okay. Well, we'll get to Okay. Yes. And and the reason that I am a huge Vanguard fund, and they've never even bought me a cup of coffee, (laughs) so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm supportive of them without any compensation, no conflict of interest. They have extremely low expenses. What have the academics taught us? That the variable that most predicts the future returns of a particular fund, depends on what asset class, of course, is going to be the expenses, not the manager, not the, the, the marketing, um, not whether, whether Morningstar gives them three stars or five stars, low expenses are going to drive the extra return that you're looking for. 
They also have a broader range for the retail investor uh, than the other mutual fund companies do. And I find it very interesting because I've been trying for many years to build similar portfolios at Fidelity, similar portfolios at T. Rowe Price, even similar portfolios with ETFs that represent the right balance of big and small and value and growth and U.S. and international and emerging markets and REITs and, and fixed income, et cetera. And Vanguard has, has with the, virtually the same attempt in terms of asset classes, come out with a better rate of return. So, yes, I am a huge Vanguard fan for the do-it-yourselfer, but I got to tell you, if you've got an advisor that is not using the dimensional funds, then you've got an advisor that I can, I can clearly, easily say, is not in fact doing the best for you that they could, because DFA is even a notch above Vanguard, and I've seen it. I've seen it over over ten years. The difference between DFA and Vanguard. There's no secret to it. There's no black magic to it. It's simple why they make more money. But the bottom line is, without taking any more risk, I have seen it. It is possible, it is doable, and should be in the future to make more money, even after you pay some advisor to help you with the DFA funds. Well, wait, now hang on a second, Paul. We all agree that Vanguard has very low costs. And we, yes. also, we also know that DFA costs are very low, maybe yes. a tiny bit higher than Vanguard's, but basically comparable. For but, a reason. Right. But, but if you go through DFA, you can't, uh, a consumer can't just go out on their own and buy DFA funds. They have to go through a DFA advisor. And those people go through uh, quite a bit of peer review themselves before they're even allowed to be uh, DFA advisors. But they're going to have to pay whether it's a point or maybe a half a point, depending on how much money and depending on the advisor, et cetera. Are you telling me that people are better off even after paying a DFA advisor's fee and the internal costs of DFA than they would be if they were a do-it-yourselfer for Vanguard? Yes. And let me tell you where the break point is because we've, we've looked at this. Uh, when, a, when a client comes to us, when I was when I was – as I said, I'm retired now, and I still because I started the Merriman Company, I still say it's us. But when a when, when a person is a 50-50 investor, 50% equity, 50% fixed income, the return after the investment advisory fee is almost exactly the same. Now, what do you get for that investment advisory fee? Well, I'm working on a book right now, 101 Things your, in, your Investment Advisor Should Be Doing for You. And the bottom line is you get somebody to guide you, hopefully, for you and then after you, your surviving spouse, for the rest of your lives. And, boy, I'll tell you, when you can get that and get Vanguard returns, obviously I can't guarantee that. I can't tell you what the future will bring. But there is a reason why the DFA funds do better, and there's 80-plus years of evidence as to why that worked over the last 80 years and why it should work over the next 80. All right, and 
and what are what are some of the let's say uh, strategic or why why would one set of index funds even after uh, a fee to an advisor do as well as or even better than say the Vanguard funds? Well, first of all, there there are major forces that the academics have pointed out that lead to better rates of return over very long periods of three months. We're talking about, in essence, over our lifetime. That's what we should all be worried about forever. And those forces are the value orientation of the companies inside of a mutual fund. And what you find at DFA is the portfolio is made up of more deeply discounted value companies. So those that are more value, this is right out of Warren Buffett's book, if you want to think of it that way, because he's an advocate of value investing. But the more deeply discounted the value investing is, the better historically you do. It's a premium for risk is what it is. And at the same time, as there's this force of value, there's a force from the size of companies. Smaller companies make higher rates of return over time. So if you looked at, for example, let's even take a large cap value fund, index fund, at Vanguard. The average size company is bigger, and the value is less deeply discounted. And so in that difference, you can pick up 1% or 2%. When we get into emerging markets, if you looked at the returns of the emerging market fund at DFA versus the fund at Vanguard, it's a huge difference. Not because the people at DFA are smarter. It's because they diversify their portfolio in a way that produces better returns. Now, the... To me, the next question that I should hear from a listener is, okay, if they're so smart, it isn't hard for John Bogle and the Vanguard people to replicate that. Why don't they do it too? And you brought up a subject, Jim, that is more important than people understand, I think. You said DFA doesn't let people invest directly in the funds. You have to go through an advisor. And guess what we know about DFA funds? Because the people who use them are working with a professional advisor, and you you hit the nail on the nose when when you said, on the head, when you said that DFA, it isn't easy to become a DFA advisor. You have to jump through a lot of hoops because they want people who are really committed to this belief system. Now, if the, DFA advi- if the DFA investors only come through advisors, they can go to portfolios that are less liquid because it's the other side of the coin is a small-cap value fund at DFA, average size company, smaller, d- more deeply discounted, more value orientation. That's going to be less liquid. If you get the typical nervous Nelly bunch of people jumping in and out of the market of the of the DFA funds, that would probably cost 1% a year in the turnover cost. But they control that by not letting the public. In fact, Merrill Lynch brokers can't use DFA. 
You're, you're... In fact, there's no major brokerage house in the industry. I'm talking about the full service brokers who are working like in a in a in a uh, a grocery store with aisles of products, and they pick a little of this and a little of that, and all oh, we got something hot right down here. They don't. DFA will not allow their funds to be used by firms like that that are more like a supermarket than a strategy, a discipline, a mechanical way to invest. And that pays huge rewards from everything I know about the past. I can't tell you the future, as I said earlier, but the past is very clear. Paul, you're brave naming names. Okay, I'm going (laughs) to... Let Jim respond to this in a minute. We have to take another break. And when we come back, we'll continue. We'll be right back with Paul Merriman and Jim Lang on the Lang Money Hour. The Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks, featuring the expert advice of Pittsburgh-based CPA attorney Jim Lang. More coming up on KQV AM 1410. The Lang Money Hour continues on KQV AM 1410. For all of your financial needs, turn to Lang Financial Group in Squirrel Hill, 412-521-2732. Let's talk more smart money. Welcome back to the Lang Money Hour. This is Hannah Haytain and Kay, and I'm here with Jim Lang and Paul Merriman. And again, we are here with Paul Merriman. We have just about maybe four minutes left. I want to remind people that I have a, a un, unreserved, unmitigated recommendation to go out and get Paul's book. Better yet, come to the workshop and get it for free and get some more great information. <laughs> but, but if not... You're too nice. You're <laughs> way too nice. No, no. I, 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 by the way, I'm, I've given your book out like candy, and one of the things oh, that I really like about it is you actually have an objective comparison of Vanguard and DFA, which I really like. But anyway, the book is Financial Fitness Forever by Paul Merriman, M-E-R-R-I-M-A-N, available at the local bookstores or at Amazon.com. Now, hey, Jim, can I just challenge your listeners? Sure. Whether they good, and I hope they get the book free because they'll see your workshop. I think that's wonderful. But I want to challenge them to read all the way to the end of the book because Appendix H, which is some of the most powerful work I've ever done in the 40-some years of being around this business, It's withdrawing money when you're retired. I will show you how I approach that as a retiree myself, and uh, and I I try to help people who don't have enough, and I try to help people who have more than they need. And there's a right way to do it, so you maximize what you get to enjoy, and you maximize what you leave to others. I challenge you. Read to the end of the book. Uh, uh, by, by the way, I will second that. I think Paul is excellent on that exact issue. In fact, Paul, you may remember, you may not, but you have actually been on this show before, and one of the focuses of that show was actually the safe withdrawal rates. And if people want to hear that show, if they go to www.retiresecure.com, which, by the way, is the website for all those workshops, if it was a little bit confusing, www.retiresecure.com, you can actually hear an hour of Paul and me talking about safe withdrawal rates if you click, click on Listen Now and then scroll down to Paul Merriman. So I thought that That's was great. great. Paul, we only have about two minutes, but um, I've, if, if you could either, I'll, g- I'll give you a choice ha- to give our listeners a final 
uh, piece of advice of anything that you like or answer the questions, and you actually mentioned the name of the company, which I'd prefer not to do, of how conflicts of interest affect your portfolio. Look, you are the boss. I'm talking about the, the investor is the boss. And you got to be a good boss, a good steward for you and your family. And my challenge to you is to get an education so you can learn how to take best care of your money for you and not for Wall Street. I mean, they, they've got this this one percent Wall Street and ninety nine percent all this stuff. Look, it's not about percentages. Abandon Wall Street. You don't need to be in Wall Street. There is a better way to take care of your life. And whether you align yourself with one or you become one yourself, you've got to understand the concept of being a fiduciary, acting in the best interest of you and your family. And if you're working with an advisor, remember, it's not just an advisor you're working with. You're working with a person who works for a firm who recommends products. They should be ethical and competent at every level, the advisor, the firm, and the products. And if they're not yeah, move on. Okay, I am sorry to, to cut you off on that, Paul. I want to thank you for um, offering this invaluable insight, and I want to thank the listeners for joining us for another Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. As always, you can catch a rebroadcast of this show at 9.05 on Sunday morning right here on KQV, and join us at 7.05 p.m. on April 18th, when once again we'll be wel- welcoming our special guest, P.J. Denuso. Denuso.